It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Welcome in to another edition of the Raging Cajun Army. Matt Miguez here, and it's a very special edition of RCA as it's Bowl Week. Louisiana traveling to Mobile, Alabama to play in the Lending Tree Bowl against the MAC champion Miami of Ohio. The Red Hawks 8-5 on the year will meet Louisiana, who is 10-3 and, and finished second in the Sun Belt. Joining me to break it down, Jerry Bear. Jerry, what's going on, man? Hey, good evening, Matt. Thanks for having me as always. Uh, looking forward to a great bowl game tomorrow. Cajuns are going to go for win number 11. New school win record. number 11, indeed, for the first time in school history. Now, Jerry, you're going to Mobile tomorrow for the game, correct? Yes, sir. Now, you know, I, I don't get to I don't get to go to the bowl game because, you know, other obligations call for me to stay in Lafayette. But you know what are your what are your thoughts about the bowl game? What are your thoughts about the crowd going to Mobile? Posts you've seen about people already in Mobile. Just kind of what are what are your thoughts about the the game in general? Well, as a whole, I've been very impressed. Um, looking at social media, seeing the um, different you know pictures and videos. You know the players did doing that Habitat for Humanity project and going to the bowling alley and and going to the USS Alabama like they did today and seeing fans, you know, having fun in Mobile and going to all these different events. I think uh, yesterday or last night there was a Mardi Gras parade that rolled through yeah. downtown Mobile that sort of really kicked off this bowl game, uh, this slew of events for this bowl game. And so to see that and, and see all the camaraderie going on right now, I got to hand it to the Lending Tree Bowl. They've done a good job hyping this game up. Um, you know, not every not every bowl really has that that type of opportunity where you could throw a Mardi Gras parade in the middle of your town. So um, I'm very glad that they're able to they're, they're promoting it really well. Uh, I do have a few friends who are already down there right now. I I'm actually was in a group text earlier with a group of people and then a few of them actually went to the Saints game and went to Mobile from there. So um it, it, you know, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have, we should have a decent contingency. Obviously, it's not gonna be what we, what we brought to New Orleans. But um, I, along with a few other people I know, are actually headed down to Mobile tomorrow as well. There are gonna be a few people driving down tomorrow, um, first thing in the morning, and um, hopefully by by six thirty uh, at Land People Stadium, we can see a sea of vermilion and white on uh, on on our side. So. I'm excited about it. Um, obviously, we're the last bowl game before the national championship next week. So I know tomorrow night, even with you know the NFL playoffs today or this weekend, that hopefully there'll be a lot of people tuned into ESPN uh, come 6:30 uh, kickoff tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's always good when you're the when you're the focus of attention in the college football world, for uh, for sure. Now, you know, you mentioned the the Saints game today. Obviously, the the Saints losing a overtime heartbreaker to the Minnesota Vikings in the wild card round of the playoffs. Jerry, how broken hearted are you as a, 
as a loyal member of Houdat Nation after after that game? <laughs> um, well, you know, being in being someone who was born and raised in New Orleans, uh, you know, Saints, you know, black and gold's in my blood. Um, obviously, it's not the most pleasant feeling today. Um, you know, I, maybe it's just me, but seeing what happened last season. Look, growing up as a Saints fan, you know, I, I didn't grow up during the 60s and 70s through the really, really bad years. But I grew up during my share, my bad, my fair share of some bad seasons in the 90s and early 2000s or no, probably mid to late 90s. And, um, you know, to, to go ha- to have back to back 13 and three seasons, three straight years of NFC South Division championships. I mean, and then in the past 10 years. This is still the golden age of Saints football. And so for me, um, look, I know Drew Brees isn't getting any younger. I know Sean Payton's not going to be there forever. So for me, I'm still trying to enjoy the ride. Obviously, we all want to win another Super Bowl. But, you know, it sounds crazy. For me today, you know, I was very, very upset like the first, you know, five or ten minutes after the game. But I guess maybe it's because of UL football tomorrow night or, you know, the Diamond Sports approaching in the next, you know, month or so. I, I was able to get over it a lot quicker than I thought, um, you know, because for, for those of you who don't know, I was at the game last year for the NFC Championship. And yeah, that that was rough. I, it took me a while to get over that. But today, was I don't know. It was just different. I don't know what it was. Um, well, you know, I, I was I'll, I'll say this. It didn't take me long to get over it for the simple reason that and, and I say this as a diehard Saints fan like you, we didn't <laughs> deserve to win. No, and I was about to say that. I, you know, I give. Last year, I felt that it got the game got stolen from us in oh, many absolutely. ways. Um, you know, but and then of course the year before the whole you know Minneapolis miracle, whatever. Today, I mean, they just outplayed us, and yeah, I we, felt that Mike Zimmer outcoached Sean Payton, and it it in the playoffs that happens. Um, you, you're you're going to have a team that's going to that might outplay you even if you're favored because it's the playoffs. You know, it's the best teams left. And so yep. Minnesota came in, they won, they they deserve to win, and it is what it is. And as as every Saints fan would say, outside of the, t- the 2009 Super Bowl season, hey, you know what, maybe next year. Yep. No, absolutely. Now, you know, let, let, let's switch our focus back to the, the topic of conversation, which is the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, 10-3, and three, best season in school history so far. But clearly, you know, bowl game left, still not – Still not quite done. They they want one more one more W, one more trophy in the trophy case. Looking at Louisiana and then briefly looking at Miami of Ohio, how do the Cajuns stack up against the Red Hawks? Uh, you know, it's funny. I really don't know much about Miami of Ohio as far as their skill positions. Um, I do know that from the highlights I've seen or the the stats that I've read. They're a very methodical team, uh, offensively especially. They like to run the ball. They like to run clock. Um, they don't do anything special per se. Um, so to me, it's going to be very important for the defense to keep them off the field and then for us to counter with the type of offensive drives that we're able to sustain, whether it's big plays or just along a drives like we've done in the past or this year. Um I think we match up well against them. I don't think they're, you know, they're not App State or Mississippi State. Um, to me, they're kind of like a, like an, I kind of compare them to like a regular Sunbelt team somewhere, you know, top, top middle, Arkansas State, Georgia Southern-esque 
as far as I mean, talent if, goes. If you, can, if you can remember the Ohio game at the beginning of the year, I I, I picture a game very similar to that. Well, the, I, the, well, Ohio, Ohio, Miami, Ohio, are very similar when you think about it. Right. Um, that, that, that's what that's what I'm getting at. Teams in the MAC, yeah. they kind of play the same style. So they do. They do. Um, they 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 sometimes run a spread or run out the pistol or they like they definitely like to spread it out um, and they kind of mix it up a little bit. Very similar to what we do. I think what separates our team from a, especially from a school from like the MAC. I feel like we're we have a little little bit more speed and we're a little bit more physical, and I think that actually works. And obviously, that, that I feel that that can work in our favor. Um, you know, if it's anything like the game against against Ohio, um, I mean, really, we I mean we came out swinging in the second half once we made adjustments, but we were able to put pressure on their offense, especially their quarterback. Now, now will we will we do that to Mister Gabbard? Not sure, but I do know that. Um, I do know that our defense is, you know, after after the game against App State, uh, we're definitely due for um, sort of the same type of uh, physical uh, physical. Well, first of all, I think we're going to be a lot healthier now. Um, yeah. you, know, you got almost a month off to rest, but yeah, I think I, I expect I expect physicality in the front seven by our defense. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Mr. Gabbard, the quarterback of the Red Hawks. Interesting fact. Oh, Brett Gabbard. Missouri former Missouri quarterback and career NFL backup Blaine Gabbert is his older <laughs> brother. Yeah. Um yeah. and you know obviously Blaine had a had a lot of talent in the NFL. I mean in the in the pro in the college ranks, excuse me. Um so you know you you would like to say you expect <laughs> the same from from little bro but uh clearly you know he's a he's a freshman from St. Louis. He's Six foot, two hundred seven pounds. So you know, a stocky kid threw for twenty two hundred yards this year with eleven touchdowns, uh, eight interceptions as well. So, but you know, you look at his numbers as a whole and very. I hate I hate to say this, but almost kind of inconsistent. Well, one thing that actually makes me feel good is I'm looking at his rushing stats. He doesn't really run the ball too much, so I kind of like no. that about him. I mean, he's got he 78 attempts for 69 yards on the season, so you don't have to worry about him keeping it or running a zone read or tucking it well, in I mean, and going up the field for 80 yards. Um, so to me, that that I'm sure Coach Roberts has something up his sleeve to be able to counter. Uh, it sounds like it, it seems like Miami has more of a balanced attack. And when I when I when I say his when I say that he's inconsistent, I'll read completion percentages just in his last five games against Ohio, fifty five point six percent. Bowling Green, fifty. I mean, you know, against Bowling Green, he went sixty percent. Against Akron, who went winless, might I add, forty seven point six percent. In a right. loss to Ball State, he threw seventy five percent, but he only threw eight passes. And then, yeah, I mean, in the championship I'm, game against Central Michigan, he was fifty two percent. Well, for the season, he's he's had um, he's had 153 completions on 285 attempts, right? 2,163 yards. Yeah, 53.7 completion percentage. Um, 11 touchdowns so and interceptions. He's fairly he's inconsistent. Times. So, so you know, I I I think the defensive line. I think Ron Roberts will do a good job of of having a having a scheme for him, getting some pressure on him, and. Um, you know, I think the defense is going to come out play well. Obviously, with the month off, we're healthy, and I think that's going to create a lot of issues for 
for Miami of Ohio because obviously, you know, I'm I'm not worried about our offense. We had one no. of the best offenses in the country this year. I mean, I, I think our offense is going to come out and do what they do and put points on the board. I expect them to. I expect them to. Um, I, you know, even, defense, even even without Robert Hunt, you know, I I think we're we're in great shape offensively. I think so. I, you know, look, their defense really hasn't done anything that has stood out to me. Um, most of their games have been close games outside of Bowling Green. I mean, they beat uh, they beat Akron, a, a winless team, twenty to seventeen. They beat my Ohio 24-21. They beat Kent State 23-16. They beat Northern Illinois 27-24. Most of their games have been – most of their wins have been close. So there's really nothing, like, dominant about this team. But it also tells me that teams can score on them as well. And um, I'll say this. This is one of those situations where if the Cages could come out swinging early and punch them in the mouth early, that's where I think this could be one of those games where the Cages could run away with it. I yeah, really I, I think it, and I think it needs to be one of those games. I think it's one where you put the, you come out with your foot on the gas, and you you run away with it. No doubt, no doubt about it. You run away with it very, very early. Kickoff at six thirty from Lad Peebles Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. Weather should not be a factor. Sixty six <laughs> degrees and partly cloudy at kickoff. Jerry, do you have a prediction for this game? Do you have an X factor, um, keys to victory, anything like that? Um, keys to victory. Honestly, I think you, you, like I said earlier on, you, you keep them off the field, you keep their offense off the field, you beat them on time of possession and, um, offensively Levi needs to get in stride, you know, throw to the flat, throw some nice balls down, up the field, down the field every now and then, um, let guys like Jamarcus Bradley, Peter LeBlanc do their thing. Um, feed the rock, feed the rock to run it, uh, DMC, you know, for Raymond Colley, this is his last time in a Cajun uniform. Um, you know, can't hold anything back, right? Um, 20, 20 seniors will play their last game every million in white tomorrow. That's right. And so for that, uh, these guys need to go out and go out with a bang. And what better way to go out with a bang than to win this game, finish the season 11 and three with a bowl, with a bowl championship. So I, I, um, keys to victory. Like I said, keep that time of possession down for Miami, uh, sustain your own drives. Um, and really just do your thing on offense, man. Balance it up, mix it up, use the run game, let Levi, let Levi do his thing. And I do think the Cajuns have a legitimate shot. I'll probably predict somewhere if the Cajuns take care of business and show up early. Um, I could see him winning probably somewhere like 38-21, 38-20 maybe, somewhere like that. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I kind of stand with that. I'm thinking 37-20, 37-21. Yeah, and, and also too, again, I want to see what they, you know, not only keep them keep them off keep Miami off the field, but I kind of want to see what they're going to do defensively. Um, are they going to put pressure on Brett Gabbard? You know, like I said, Brett Gabbard's not a running quarterback, so do they put pressure on him? I mean, as far as their skill players, I mean, they're running their their top running back has barely six hundred yards on a year. Um, right. So there's really, I, there's no this, as far as Miami of Ohio, their X factor. It's nothing. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really see anybody like, for example, Jalen Bester, six hundred eighty-nine yards, uh, for with one hundred and fifty-two attempts, twelve touchdowns. It's not bad, but it does nothing that stands out. You know, um, right? Receiving yards, you've got the top receiver, Jack so- Jack Sorensen, uh, thirty-four receptions, four hundred sixty-one yards, four touchdowns. You know, averaging uh, thirteen point six uh, per reception, which is pretty good. It's not bad. 
but again, um, it's, I'll be honest with you. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see what I'm kind of curious to see if, if Miami, um, it sounds like they like to spread the love a little bit, right? They don't yeah. really do anything. There's no particular player they go to. There's, There's no, no particular, feature back. Nope. Nope. So, but that can also be a detriment to their opponents because when you have that many people contributing, you right. know, who do you prepare for? But I think this coaching staff, um, they're, they're well prepared. And again, I, I really do think the Cajuns should come out victorious and hopefully we, we leave Mobile with a trophy. Let's, let's talk about the coaching staff for a second, Jerry. Because, well, why? because, you know, everybody, well, you know, before we get into this, let's play a game. Um, I, I created this game called the Google Translate game. Yay! And basically what we're going to do is we're going to prove to everybody in a multitude of languages the following phrase. Billy Napier is not going to Mississippi State. <laughs> Billy Napier is not going to Mississippi State. Let's hear uh, what, it. All right, my, my turn. My turn. Uh, in, in Italian, that, that's translated. Billy Napier non andrà nello stato del Mississippi. That's in Italian. In African. Billy Napier farina di start Mississippi. In Chinese. Billy Napier Mississippi In Finnish. Billy Napier tule Mississippi tilaan. Oh, what else can we do? Oh, yes, of course. And, and of course, our native tongue in French. Billy Napier ne va pas dans l'état du Mississippi. And finally, for everybody else out there, we're going to do it in Arabic. You know what? Okay. I'm going to do one in Estonian. Let me do Go one in Estonian it. real quick. Go for it. Billy Napier Mississippi Okay, so Cajun, really cool. Cajun Nation, Bulldog Nation, Cowbell Nation, whatever you want to call it, he's not going, going anywhere. No, here's here's my no, thing. No, no. Um, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you here's here's my thing. If Billy Napier has come out and publicly stated that he is not a candidate and he is not going to Mississippi State. On multiple occasions, can put it to bed. So you're saying there's a chance? Because I'll I'll say I'll say why. If he, there was even the slightest chance that he was going to Mississippi State, two things would happen. Number one, he wouldn't speak to the media. Number two. When he spoke to the media, he would divert all questions away from that topic. He wouldn't talk about it. No. If he wasn't talking about it, I'd be worried. But Billy Napier is not the kind of person to stand there in front of you and say, I am not going to Mississippi State. And then two days later, I'm on Mississippi State. Correct. And it's I think just what, not going to happen. Well, he, he look, I mean... I don't know any other way of saying it or any other way, any other way that he could say it. He said it. He's not, you know, when Jay interviewed him the other night, he said, there's no sign in front of my house. There's not going to be a for sale sign in front of my house. The other day, 
You know, you saw a bunch of beat writers tweet. Billy Napier said he is not interested in interviewing with the job. And then again, finally today, we're not we're not interested. And you know, not as, interested. As, as our good friend, you know, Seth Riche said, look at it this way. And I, I don't want to downplay the bowl game that the, the Cajuns are in or that the season that they've had because it's been a phenomenal season. But if he was taking the job at Mississippi State, why would he be wasting his time in Mobile, Alabama, preparing for the Lending Tree Bowl? Yeah. Like, he wouldn't be here. He would have taken that job already and be gone. Well, I, I do think circumstantially uh, the fact that, you know, Joe Moorhead was fired on Friday, I believe it was. Right, so, but like like multiple reports have stated, this has been in the works for weeks. Possibly, and I think Coach Napier, well, he was already with the team, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. But at the same yeah, time, it, it's been you know, this, this apparently the coaching search for Mississippi State has been going on behind the scenes for two weeks now. Well, I, look, and, and to be honest with you, that's a whole other topic. I thought Mississippi State jumped the gun and got rid of Joe Moorhead a year too soon. Absolutely. Even before the season started. I mean, look, before the season started, we even talked about it before the Cajuns played Mississippi State in New Orleans, that they had, what, 18, like 17, 18 starters to replace or something like that? Right. And you're in the SEC West. When you have that they many, had, those, that many players, you, you just lost your star quarterback in Nick Fitzgerald last year. You, you have, you know, at least six or seven new guys on each side of the ball, offense and defense, and you play in the SEC West. And yet you still go six. Okay, and then you're not even. It's not like you're Alabama or LSU. Okay, you're not. You're you're fighting for fourth or fifth place in the SEC West yearly, and then you still finish six and six and get into a bowl game with all of those those factors and with a with a quarterback uh, carousel to where you had to rotate two or three quarterbacks this year, and, and I mean, and you still found a way in the SEC West to go to a bowl game and you fire the coach. I, I just. Like, to me, if I'm a coach and I look at that, I wouldn't want to go somewhere like that. And do, now, granted, yes, they oh, oh, well, they pay him money. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. But coaches, like any other job, no matter how much you pay, they want stability, too. And to me, the way Mississippi State handled this was very unstable. No, I don't think Joe Moorhead was a fan favorite. No, I don't think Joe Moorhead really had control of his locker room. But for goodness sakes, it was his second season here. And he was replacing half of his team. And all of a sudden you get rid of him now. Like this isn't this isn't Alabama or LSU or or uh you know or or University of Florida where you have one losing season, you get rid of the coach because you win ten games every other year. It's Mississippi State. Dan Mullen's best season uh when he was there was nine and three with Dak Prescott at quarterback. So if they think that they're just gonna get anybody they want when they want and he'll fire the coach if he doesn't win eight or nine games, I'm sorry, they're in for a rude awakening. And no disrespect to Mississippi State, I just don't agree with the way they handled this whole thing from the start. I think Joe Moorhead should have gotten another year. No, and I and I, I totally agree. I think that you know they, they jumped the gun with, with firing him, especially, like you said, the circumstances that they had to face at the beginning of the season. But also, Mississippi State's been known to pull the trigger like this. Sure. I mean, in my in my God honest opinion, I think they pulled the trigger too early on Dan Mullen. Well, Dan Mullen, I mean, I think Dan Mullen just took the job. He he ran away and took the job to Florida because I mean, I think I mean Florida was kind of a dream job for him. 
Um, right. And I think he knew – he kind of knew what his ceiling was while he was at, at Starkville, and it just it just was – I mean, that's as good as you're going to get. And so that's why he ended up jetting for, for Gainesville. And, I mean, just the other night, he's celebrating with his team with a whole uh, trophy case – trophy full of oranges in it because he, you know, took his team to the Orange Bowl in year number three. And um, – or year – was it year number two? Second or third year he's been in Florida. But anyway, regardless of that – um, you know, he's taken Florida back to where they've been or where they were. And it's a lot easier to do that in Gainesville than it is Starkville, Mississippi, which is why I don't think Billy Napier right now is interested in the job because he wants to build something here um, and then turn this into a powerhouse, hopefully soon enough to where then his resume looks a lot better and he can go to a bigger school or a school that's even bigger than what Mississippi State is or, you know, maybe go for the Alabama or the Texas, you know. Um, right. I know next year, uh, I'm hearing Will Muschamp is on the hot seat at South Carolina. That would be a good job for him. You know, he's from Georgia. He knows that area. He went to school at Furman, which is also in South Carolina, I believe. And yep. uh, not to mention, you know, Tennessee, too. If Jeremy, now, Greg, yeah, Jeremy yeah, Pruitt, I think, he saved his job. He saved his job with that long win streak to end the season. He won that bowl game the other night against Indiana. He saved his job. But if... If he's on the hot seat next year and they don't win, they get rid of him. I mean, Tennessee could be a a goal a, a golden opportunity for for Coach Napier. So there's a lot of bigger opportunities out there in the future, and I think he's he's waiting for the right moment. But in the meantime, while he waits, you know, it's like it's like Coach Rob used to say, "Work while you wait." I'd rather him work here in Lafayette while he waits for that bigger job somewhere else, because that means he's making our program a lot better, which he already has done. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, lastly, Jerry, we'll transfer. We'll transition over into you know the, what they like to call round ball sure uh you know men, men's basketball getting a big win last night over troy 79 to 62 five players in double figures and you know my my thing is being a guy that's been around basketball you know for a while if you've got five guys on your roster <laughs> scoring 10 or more in a game you need to win the basketball game. No question. That's what they did. That's exactly you need to what win they the did. basketball game. And Malik Wilson, you know, I've I've said it time and time and time again. Malik Wilson is going to do big things at Louisiana. And he did it last night. 18 points, shooting seven of ten from the field to go along with 13 rebounds. His first career double double for Louisiana. You know, I said he would do big things, and I've said it since he was a senior in high school. I watched him closely at Ravel. You know, he, he averaged, I think, I want to say he averaged 26 points a game his senior year of high school. Like, wow. just just a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal player, sees the floor really well, uh, great leadership abilities. He just, he does a lot of things well that you can't really coach. No, and he's he's really good moving the ball up and down the court. Uh, I had the chance to see him the other night. My uh, Kayla and I went to the game against South Al, and um, I was very pleased by his play. Um, one thing I noticed that the Cajuns did last night against Troy was that they were able to – their inside game was 100 times better than what I saw against South Al. Dugay, I got to give him credit. He stepped yep. up when, when He had when a it was great necessary. game last night. Great game last night, 16 points, 6 for 11 on field goals, you know, 2 for 4, 3 points. Six rebounds, one assist. Um, you know, Tyrus Smith, 15 Ty- points, six boards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at some of these stats. I mean, 
you know, look, the main thing is I, the two games that I, I went to um, both games last week against uh, UC Santa Barbara as well as South Allen. There were two things that stuck out to me. One, I thought our inside game wasn't that great offensively. Um, I really didn't think we had much of an inside presence to begin with. Um, and so you need guys like Duguay to step up in the paint because you start playing guys with size or against guys with size, they're going to beat you every time. And right. I thought the Cajuns did a fantastic job adjusting to that last night against Troy. They were able to penetrate the lane a little bit more, get in the paint, and score some points off the basket, which they've been lacking for the past couple games. Um, I'm also was very pleased at the way that they were able – the ball movement was a lot better last night. Against South Al, South Al ran that 2-3 zone, and the Cajuns could not get the ball inside. Could not do it. That's why they took 42 threes. I mean, anytime you take 42 three-pointers, I mean, that – that tells me your offense is not moving in the right direction uh, for that any particular game. You know that as well as I do. Um, defensively, I thought that uh, they got a little bit better last night. Um, I still think that they need to be a little more aggressive under the basket, but they've improved since that game against Little Rock. When Little Rock, all they did was just hand it to their big man. They've really, really hustled a lot more under the basket. The game against South Al. South Al did something that, that the Cajuns could not do, and still I complain about that I wish they could do more mid-range jumpers. Uh, I yep. kind of wish the Cajuns would take a lot more mid-range jumpers, especially with a guy like Malik Wilson and Cedric Russell, both natural shooters. Um, right. I don't think they take enough. I think they like to go for the three a little bit more. So another person would be Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson's a good shooter, but the other night against South Al, he went 0 for 8 for three-pointers. I mean – sometimes you got to take that mid range. If, if, if Duguay can't go up, go up on the basket or go up, go up on the board, take some mid range jumpers. You know, you can set it up. You've got the movement to set it up. And uh, right now with the fact that the Cajuns are battling some injuries, I know coach Marlin definitely has, uh, he's going to have to have some tricks up his sleeve to be creative. And this yep. coaching staff's going to have to be very creative. Um, but here's, here's Here's a team stat that I thought was was rather interesting from last night. Louisiana has struggled all season long from the free throw line. They only missed two last night. Yeah, they were they were actually really good uh, the night before that too against South Al. Um, they've done a great job at free throws recently. Um, but like for example, again the other night they were, I think, what uh, twelve for. I think against uh, South Al, they were only like 7 for 17 from inside the arc, and they were like 12 for 43 from three-point range. Yep. Um, last night, it was a little bit different. They were last actually they were 50, 8 of 18 from 3. Yeah. 8 of they 18 15, three. But overall, their field goal percentage was uh, was over 50.9%. 50, 50. I mean, you're going to win a lot of games when you're able to do that um, in this league. Uh, but, you know, look, I know injuries have been a, a big factor. Um at the same time, you got to again with injuries. You got to be creative. Uh, I thought the other night uh, they were a lot more creative against Troy. They were able to transition. They were able to move the ball a lot more fluidly um, against South Al. I didn't really. I wasn't impressed with the offense. They really didn't get much ball movement. They couldn't play against the zone. Um, and then against against uh, UC Santa Barbara, they couldn't stop anybody from inside the paint. So there's always – every game they've lost has always been because of a reason. One game is missed free throws. Another game they can't get the ball movement on offense. Another game they're not sinking shots. Another game they can't play defense. So hopefully they can take all of these factors and just learn from it as the game go, as the season goes on. Because now, tomorrow night, you know, they're on the road. While we're playing – while the Cajun football team's playing in the bowl, basketball team's got to go to App State. 
Yep, they got a big one on the mountain. Big one on the mountain, and then they go to Georgia State and Georgia Southern back-to-back. So it's not going to get much easier. Then I believe they have Texas State and ULM coming to, to, to the Cajun Dome. In the After following week. the Georgia State game, I think you're right. Texas State and UT Arlington. That's it. Texas State and oh, UT Arlington. Texas. Okay. So they've got some – look, they've got a tough stretch coming up. And, you know, last night showed me that, you know, even with injuries, they're capable of performing and winning. I mean – even with a depleted roster, they won this game by 17 points. Um, yep. So, yeah, there are going to be some games they are going to be a little shorthanded because of injuries. But there's going to be other games. Look, this conference is wide open. There's going to be some other games where they're capable of winning them. So I'm curious to see how this team's going to gel. One thing I'll give them credit for, they haven't quit yet. But right now, um, it's going to—it's one of those game-by-games. You know, take it day-by-day. Day and I know this coaching staff's working hard and trying to do what they can to build what they can build with what they have. Now, granted— I still think they're good enough to be able to compete. It's just a matter of sticking with the fundamentals, man. You know, try to create more ball movement on offense. Try to play deep, deep, decent inside, you know, in the paint. You know, Dugay, Dugay, I think he improved a lot last night, but Dugay's going to have to be the man in the middle. I mean, I'm talking, yeah, he can shoot threes, but we're going to have to utilize him a little bit more in the middle. Christian Lafayette's going to have to play. I mean, the past two games, he hasn't even seen the court. I mean, he's on scholarship. He's going to have to play. Um, we need that size right now as much as we can. So we're going to yeah. see, but starting tomorrow night, being on the road at App State, you know, last year, we all remember that 27-point loss, which wasn't nice, wasn't pretty, but um, we'll see if they can redeem themselves tomorrow night. But it's not going to get easier for basketball. It's not going to get easier. No, certainly not anytime soon for for the Cajuns. Jerry, appreciate you coming on as always. Football is 6.30 tomorrow night from Mobile. Basketball tips off at 7 from Boone, North Carolina. Like I said, Jerry, thanks, thanks for no coming problem. on. Uh, we'll, we'll talk tomorrow for the bowl game, and uh, you know we'll, we'll recap it later this week. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to let everybody know, if you're still in town tomorrow in Lafayette, there is a bowl watch party at Pete's on Johnson Street. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be, all, you know, whether it's any bar around town or any bar and restaurant around town, they're, they're going to have the game on. It will be on ESPN. So we're on, we're, we're the one game on national TV tomorrow night. And for those of you who are still kind of on the fence, even right now on whether or not you want to go, it's a four hour drive, make the trip. And to all of those who are making the trip, like myself, um, to all of those who are leaving tomorrow morning, I just want to say, be safe on the road. Safe travels, and uh, let's go have some fun, win a bowl game, and come back with a trophy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Region Cajun Army. We'll post the episode to SoundCloud as well as Apple Podcast, and we'll promote it on the social media channels as well. Jerry, be safe tomorrow, and go Cajuns as always. Thank you, Matt. Go Cajuns. All right, guys. We'll talk to you all next week.